Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm so it's it's really good to see how many of you actually made it here. Uh, way to go to make it here. And uh, I also want to say to all of you out there who are watching online, I'm so glad that you're joining us as well after a very, very hard week of weather this week. It's been a tough week for a lot of people. Uh, and I know for some of us out there and some of us in here, it's been it's it's just not been very good at all. It's been really tough and um, not been a fun week. And so I'm praying that you guys are doing okay, praying everybody's doing all right. And uh, I know a lot of us had some trials of power outages and all that stuff. And so I'm just hoping you're staying warm, hope you're staying well. Uh, and so uh, let's get to it today uh, with, with that thought and prayer in mind for our community uh, that we're doing okay. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Go ahead and grab those, your electronics, and open them up to Jonah chapter three. Jonah chapter three, we've been in a series uh, called The Four Stories of Jonah. Uh, and we're in week number three. And what we've been doing as you're opening up to Jonah 3 is we've been looking uh, and learning from a guy. We've been learning from a guy. And then we've also been taking uh, some principles and truths that, that, that God wants us to use uh, and apply them in our own lives and, and that we're able to do that. We could do that as well, uh, that he wants to teach us with this. Even though this is not a story, Jonah is not primarily about us. And even though, actually, we've been learning that the book of Jonah is not even a story that's primarily about Jonah, about the guy who the book's titled. Actually, this book uh, is primarily about about God. It's primarily about the God of love and compassion and mercy and how he shows that to all the people that he created, all the people uh, who exist. And it, what ultimately it points to uh, is why Jesus came, why Jesus came and what he did to actually save us from sin uh, and death. Okay, so let's get to it. Now, before we get to chapter three, uh, what I wanna do is I wanna get you caught up a little bit. If you're here, if you're watching and you missed the last two weeks, uh, we're in four-part series. It's almost like a you know mini-series that you'd watch on Netflix or something, right? So we're in part three. Uh, and so I'm gonna give you like the quick Netflix recap uh, of the last two episodes uh, that you can you know usually can skip through. You can't really skip through it right now though. You can't skip, you gotta kind of watch it. So uh, here we go. So episode one, episode one was called Man on the run, which is what we saw Jonah do. Uh, he, he, he was running from God. And so we see Jonah, what opens up, the story opens up with Jonah, a prophet. He was a prophet of God. And I don't want us to miss this. Uh, he was really close to God, everybody. I think we missed that. He was, he was really close to God. He had a great relationship with his heavenly father, okay? And he wasn't a bad dude. And he was given a mission by God to go to Nineveh, to go to this other city with this other people group. It wasn't the Israelites. It was a totally different people group. Uh, and he, God wanted Jonah to go to tell them to turn back to God, that they were doing some really, really bad things, okay? But this wasn't sitting well with Jonah. This wasn't sitting well with Jonah, what God wanted him to do, because Nineveh was not a part of Israel. Uh, Jonah was prideful about his own country. He wanted to speak to his people, um, but these guys were the enemy. These guys were the enemy. So Nineveh and Nineveh's sins, here's the thing about Nineveh's sins. They were pretty blatant. They weren't the kind of sins that were like, oh, we, we shouldn't be doing that. They were like in your face, like really bad, bad things that they knew they were doing. And so God was like, listen, you're gonna go. You're gonna, I wanna show Nineveh how fragile they are, how vulnerable they really are. I'm gonna give them a warning and a message to turn back back to me or things are gonna get really, really bad. And, and so here's what Jonah essentially says. He essentially says, listen, uh, I don't really mind uh, giving your message to my people, uh, but I'm not going over there to those people. And that's what he, and so he ran from God, literally in the opposite direction. He ran from God, got on a boat, uh, literally going the other way. Uh, and what we found out is that uh, you can run from God, but you can never outrun God. Uh, so God still has Jonah where, where, where uh, Jonah thinks he's away from, him. he's not. And so God sends this storm on the sea and the sailors end up having to throw Jonah overboard. And the sailors who didn't believe in God eventually turn and believe in God. Uh, and, and then we ended that first week on a cliffhanger because then Jonah who's in the sea gets swallowed by a fish and we just stopped 
stopped right there. I didn't talk about the fish. I just kind of said, let's come back next week. It was a great ending to the episode. And so then we open up episode two, uh, which is called Hitting Bottom. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, that's what many of us have to do before we turn back to God. And that's what happened with Jonah. They, they, you get all the way there before you turn back to him. And so it opens up chapter two with Jonah in the belly of a fish. Okay, and he was in that fish for three days and three nights. And, and this, is, this is what most people think Jonah's about. Like, this is what the story's most famous for. If you ask people, what's Jonah about? It's about a whale, right? Now, here's a couple things. Number one, uh, the fish probably wasn't a whale. That's number one. And number two, even though this is what the story is most famous about, is what everybody thinks it's about, it's not even close. This fish isn't even close to what the story is about at all. And so last week, uh, I talked about whether or not we should believe this whether or not this should be true, whether this is a historical true thing that happened. And you'll have to go back to listen to the reasons I give, the philosophy I have, the thought process I have with all that if you missed last week. And so what we see though is Jonah's stuck now. Uh, he can't go anywhere. And he realized, he started to realize the storm, the fish, all this stuff isn't coincidence. It's God. It's God. And then he realizes the fish swallowing him uh, was actually God rescuing him. This wasn't God punishing him. This was God bringing him back. And so even in Jonah's rebellion, even in his disobedience, he knew that he was not doing what God wanted him to do. He deserved to drown. He deserved, deserved to die. That's what he was kind of telling the sailors, I should die. But God loved him so much. God cared for him that much that he saves him. The God of second chances shows mercy and shows the extent of his pursuit. I hope you know that that's how God pursues you. I think there are some of us in here, we've been learning over the last couple weeks, been thinking, man, I don't know how far I've run. I think some of you wonder, like, does God still love me? Does God still care about me? You think you've done too much or you run too far, but he is never more than a prayer away to come back to him, to turn to him, for, to seek his forgiveness, to confess to him that he'll do that. He is, his love, his love and his compassion for you uh, is way more powerful and way more present than your biggest mistakes if you turn back to him. And, and there are some of you here also on the other end, you, you don't think you need God's mercy and grace uh, anymore because, because you, like there's Jesus and then there's you, right? And like, and trust me, we know, we know, like we know that's where you're at, okay? Uh, and, and so, but here's what I wanna tell you, God loves you too, all right? God loves you as well. He's still there for you when you hopefully turn around and realize you make mistakes as well because I know you look down on the Jonas of the world. You look down on us because again, you think you're really, uh, you know, you're, you think you're right next to Jesus, but hopefully uh, you, you'll, you'll turn and God's there for you as well. So Jonah's in this fish for three days and he has time to think. And so then what we see in chapter two is his prayer uh, of surrender. He prays, he surrenders uh, to God. He finally realizes who he is, who God is. And he says, okay, okay, I'm gonna do what you want. I'm gonna do, I'll live for you, not for me. Uh, and then God has this fish vomit. It's another uh, cliffhanger the fish vomits out Jonah on dry land. That's where we ended last week, okay? Uh, so that's where we're at. That's where we're at now. He's on the land with fish stuff all over him. Let's go. Chapter three, verse one. It says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to that great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. All right, so right off the bat here, here's what we're gonna learn first before we get into anything else. We are gonna learn in this first couple verses, uh, we're gonna learn a few things about God. We're gonna le learn a few really great things about God and his character. Uh, so if you're taking notes, I hope you are on your electronics or you have a pen or something like this. Uh, here's the first thing that we're gonna learn about God here, and it's this, is that God's message does not change. That's something really uh, good to learn about God and his character for us in our lives. And God's message doesn't change. I love this uh, because here's what I think when you think about this. I think that every single parent here uh, can relate to this. And even if you're not a parent, if you don't have kids, you can at least remember this as a kid, okay? Because one of the least favorite things or phrases that you hear as a younger kid is three words. 
eat your food, all right? Like they, nobody, here's why you don't like that phrase because chances are if you hear that coming from a parental person, eat your food, what is on your plate is something you do not like to eat, okay? Or you would have eaten it, right? It's probably something green, uh, something good for you, uh, right? And it's still sitting there getting colder and colder as the minutes go by. I know in our house, we have to say that a lot, unfortunately. Uh, Courtney and I have to say that. We don't say it to each other. We eat our greens, but I'm just saying to our kids, we say that, we say, eat your food. And most of the time that works. Just that one time, that one directive, eat your food and they'll eat it. But every now and then, uh, every now and then what happens is it goes from like eat your food to a negotiation, to an all out war, to tears and chaos. And I think, how did it get, what happened? Like I, anybody with me? I'm like, what just happened? I just said, eat your food. And why, why are they on the ground? Like rolling around? I don't understand. And, and so here, and, and here's what I, so what are they trying to do parents? What are they trying to do? They're trying to get us to change our minds, right? Where we go, okay, all right, you know, okay, you don't have to eat your food, right? But no, no, that's not what we do. That's not what wise parents do is we don't cave in, right? We, we don't fall for that. We, we get it, we're assertive, but we're loving, we're caring, uh, and, and we, we may put them in a timeout or maybe depending on the severity of the tantrum, do some other things, but then we say, okay, we get with them, we say, okay, I love you. A uh, couple things. Number one, uh, we do not throw tantrums like this when it comes to this. We just don't do it. Like, it's not okay to do that. And number two, Go eat your food, all right? Because the message doesn't change. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't change. Who God is, listen to me, everybody, what he wants for your life, how he wants your life to look does not change based on our actions or reactions to the message that he clearly gives us. He won't change from his plan for you, his goals, his mission, his purpose for your life will not change depending on the severity of the tantrum that we throw or how far we'll run or where we go in the destination that we think we wanna go. So with Jonah, here's what God says when he brings it back, he goes, okay, love you, love you. First of all, it's not okay to run like that. That's what, it, you know, it's not okay. I think that's why he had the fish do all the thing and vomit him out and all that stuff. It probably smelled bad. You know, he's like, that's just not okay to run. Number two, go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. My message doesn't change. Okay, that's the first thing. Here's the second thing, if you're taking notes that we learned, is that God is also the God of second chances. I love this about God. I love this about God the more I look into my own life with him. I love this because looking at my own life, I am so glad, I don't know about you, that, that I have a God, not of second chances in my life, but of third, fourth, and 50th chances, all right? Because for me, uh, I make mistakes. Like, I, believe it or not, I don't always get it right the very first time with God and his call and what he wants me to do, even some of the normal things in life. I don't get it right every time, and I'm so glad that God is patient and that he wants to teach me and then he wants to show me and he wants to develop me and his goal isn't just to drop the hammer on me the first time I make a mistake, but he, his goal for me is just to be more like Christ, more like his son, and he knows and it's gonna take, for me at least, I don't know about you, I know some of you, again, like, like the Jesus and you people, I might not get this, but for me at least, it takes more than one time uh, to get it right sometimes with God. And uh, you know, over the, um, over the pandemic, over the last year, I can't believe it's been a year, everybody, isn't that crazy, it's been a year, but uh, I thought a lot about this. Uh, I had the opportunity, like some of you, to be with my kids a lot more. And anyways, um, and so I made a few goals. I made a few goals, a few bucket list items for my kids. Love you guys, love you guys. And uh, one of them was that I wanted to get them off training wheels. I was like, ah, that's a good goal. We could get that done. And, and so I uh, had some opportunity to do this. So we came to the church. By the way, if you're trying to get your kids off training wheels during the week, no better place to come to the church. You got good flat space and really good stuff. Not, not a lot of people parking during the week, but we got going. And, and so my first one, I got him, got the training wheels off and, and we started going. And then the first time he rolled, uh, you know, he fell off, right? Fell right off the bike. Uh, and so I did uh, what we should all do. I looked and I said, 
Oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? You idiot. There we go, that was your chance. There was your shot, training wheels back on. That was it, bub. No, I didn't do that. Why do we think God does that? Why do we think God does that? Because that's not what I did. What did I do? I went out, I said, man, that's all right, buddy. Right, I got him up, got him, brushed him off, right? Like, got him back on a bike, tried it again, tried it again. And, and about the third, fourth time, there he goes. He's got it, he's rolling, it was great. This is God. This is God to you. There is nothing he wants more for you in your life than to be more like his son, Jesus. And trust me, he knows, he knows that we won't nail it all the time and we could trust that he's there to pick us up, say, I got you, don't worry, buddy, don't worry, sis. I'm, I, I'm not giving up on you, I'm there for you. I'm so glad God's like this. I hope you know that that's how he is for you. And so God gives Jonah this message. All right, go to Nineveh, go to Nineveh. Verse three, we're gonna keep going. It says, this time, Love that. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the third day, Jonah entered the city, or on the day, sorry, on the day, Jonah entered the city. He shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Different Jonah than chapter one, everybody. That's a little bit of a different Jonah coming into this city that he didn't love and saying that. So, so here's where we're at with Jonah at this point in chapter three. So he ran and he realized and then he surrendered. And now what we see is Jonah is on a comeback with God. He's on a great comeback. And so we're gonna take a look at this because he says, okay, God, yes, yes, I'm in. I'm gonna do what you want me to do. And so I wanna look at this over the next several minutes here. I wanna look at what it takes for a comeback to happen for Jonah. Uh, and, and even some, some of the things we're gonna see through the people of Nineveh here in a little bit. But I wanna talk about this too in the lens of our lives with God and the comebacks that we can actually have with him if you want it. If you want it, truth is like the offer on the table is right there for God to you, for you to have, wherever you're at, wherever you are with him in the journey with him, that, that the offer is there for you to have a comeback with him. And the truth is there are some of you here right now, you're listening to me and you're ready. You wanna come back with God. You are like, man, I'm ready. I know what you're talking about. I've been following this with Joe. This has been my life and I've turned and I've ran and I'm back and I surrendered. And now I'm ready for a comeback. What do I do? How do I go about this? And so we're gonna talk about that. And, and, but here's the thing, the, the truth is there are some of you here, you're not, you're not there. And, and, and for some of you, it's because you're holding on to something, something's holding you back. You know that thing that's holding you back and you're not ready to let go of it yet. We talked about that last week. There's idols, there's things that you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing and you're just not ready to let that go. But for those of us who are ready, that you have surrendered, you're ready to get moving with God. We're gonna take a look at some of these things we need for a comeback to happen if you're taking notes. So the first thing uh, that comebacks require, we're gonna look at three things that comebacks require, is that comebacks actually require, after we surrender to God, comebacks require focus. They require great focus. Because gang, listen, without focus, without focus, on coming back with God, we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose some, some um, motivation. We're gonna get distracted, we're gonna get unmotivated. And then here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna end up turning back uh, to the way that you came from and going the other way, especially when it comes to what God wants you to do in your life. Because trust me, and you know this, uh, there are way, way uh, uh, too many distractions that are available to you to not do what God wants you to do in this world. And so we gotta have great focus, okay? For Jonah, here's what he did. He reset, right? In chapter two, we saw his prayer and what he did was he turned from himself and his desires, he turned to God and he said, that's gonna be my goal. My goal is not me anymore, my goal is you. And then what he did is he set some goals. That's what he did. So the first thing we need to focus on is we gotta set some goals. And here's what Jonah's goal was. I gotta get to Nineveh. That was his goal. Like he saw it, he gets something to shoot for. He's like, that's my goal. That's where I'm gonna go. I gotta get there. And I'm gonna tell you this, gang. When I look at my journey with God, 
And when I look at the things that I know God's accomplished and the things that I saw God do through me or, or just using me, the things that I've seen, or even the things that where I've grown the most, it's when I have a goal and when I have the end in mind with things that I know he wants me to set goals with. So, so we gotta set some goals. A life that is surrendered, listen, has goals that I'm shooting for, goals that I'm focused on. So that's the first thing that we focus on is some goals. And, and here's the thing, like these don't have to be, like these goals don't have to be like these big, huge Nineveh goals where it's like, okay, I'm gonna reach this whole city for Jesus Christ. Like I, we got, I want you to have that. I definitely want you to have that. Uh, but for me, when I thought about me, like I have, I have several goals that are actually daily. They're daily goals for me. That I, they're, they're goals that I'm intentional about that I wanna know and that they're in my head, they're in my heart uh, and, and they're goals that I wanna accomplish and shoot for every day. For instance, I have a goal uh, to, to teach my kids about Jesus every day. That, that I have goals to shoot for every day. It's not like a general thing. I, I, I can sit down at night and say, how did I do there? And, and how, what I do, what Courtney and I use, uh, is, is the best way for us to teach our kids right now uh, is, is going through the fruit of the Spirit. That we can teach about Jesus through the fruit of the Spirit because they can get that, like love, joy, peace. Pay, did I teach them something about one of those things? Kindness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control is oh, every day, everybody. Like, every day. Like, but it's easy. So, so then I can go to bed and I say, how did I do there? How did I do there with that goal that I had in mind? I have a goal to love Courtney the way God tells me to, to be a godly husband. And if you've ever read about the bar that God sets for us guys, like it's, uh, it's, it's a daily thing, okay? It's a pretty high bar to love our wives the way that God wants us to. But I can go and, and there are days where I look and I say, okay, I didn't nail it this day. I didn't nail it with her. I didn't love her the way that I should have, that you wanted me to, God. But tomorrow, I know the goal. Tomorrow is a new day. It's a new goal. I know what I'm going after. So you need to focus, right? You need to focus. You need to have some goals. Here's what I'm gonna ask you. Do you know the Ninevehs in your life? Do you know the big Ninevehs, the big ones to be a part of this church about, but do you have the little ones in your life and your family and your work and your business? All those things are very important to do to set some goals, to focus on your goals and say, okay, God, what goals do I have? So we focus with goals and here's the most important thing. We focus on God. Don't, if you wrote anything down in there on what we focus, focus on God. Listen, your goals will be meaningless if you don't focus on God with them. Your goals will be meaningless if you don't focus on God with them. Because the more you dwell on God, then the more you're gonna come to understand the playing field and like where your position really is on the playing field. And gang, the opposite is true. The less time, the less you focus on God, the more you're gonna feel like this life's about you, about what you get, what about you deserve, your needs, your rights, and all that stuff. And you're gonna listen to me. If you do that, you're gonna lose a whole point of this life. You're gonna lose a whole point of this life. And, and so we focus on God, focus on Jesus. Focus on you. Here, here's what I, I hope you know this. Like the more you read about and focus on Jesus, here's what you're gonna, here's what you're gonna find. That man, you're gonna see, gosh, Jesus never lost his focus on God. Like never, ever lost his focus on God. He never felt entitled, never got self-absorbed. And that's what we can learn with Jesus when we focus on him. Jesus said, for me, you will receive the full measure of joy. Look at what I did, man. I never lost focus on God. Don't lose your basis. That's Jesus is your basis, man. Don't lose your basis for loving, how, you, how to love and what love does for you uh, in Jesus. So we focus on Jesus. So, so if you keep your focus, I know we gotta set these goals, but if you keep your focus on God, if you keep your focus on things above, if you keep your focus on eternity and Jesus, trust me, there's gonna be so many things that wanna distract you away from just focusing on that. If you could keep your focus on that stuff, then I'm telling you, then you will have the right focus on the goals that you have, whatever they are. Here's the thing, you wanna be a better husband? You wanna be a better parent, a better boss, a better employee. You wanna be successful. Like all of those have a place with God. Like all of those God wants to see happen in your life, okay? But here's the thing. Uh, they also could become the biggest barrier and bigger hindrance if your focus is on the wrong thing. You hear me, everybody? So the, the, we gotta keep our focus. That comebacks require focus. We start with God and then we set some goals, okay? Uh, here's the second thing 
the comebacks required that we see from Jonah, is that comebacks require obedience, caveat here, even when we don't feel like it, all right? Like that's in a parentheses. I should have highlighted and bold that. Even when we don't feel like it. So um, we can't miss this uh, about Jonah. Jonah went to Nineveh, right? But here's what we can't miss. He uh, did not still like where he was going. He, he still was not all the way there with the Ninevites. He still had a lot of things he had to work out with God. He had some feelings he needed to work out. He wasn't all the way there, but still what we see is he put one foot in the front of the other. He started marching towards the city that he had some questions about. Because here's the thing, gang, he already decided uh, this with God and it's this, yes. Gang, that is the most powerful word that you can exchange with God, yes. God, yes, yes, I will do this. Yes, I will trust you. Yes, I will follow you even when I don't feel like it, even when it's against the norm of our culture, even when it doesn't even make sense to me. My answer is yes, I will do it. Gang, this is obedience. Obedience isn't just the willingness to say yes, it's it's the follow through of yes, actually. Here's the deal, gang, Nineveh. I want us to think about this. Nineveh was at minimum, we don't really know where he landed uh, on land, but Nineveh was probably minimum 30 days away, maybe longer. He could have been a long ways longer than 30 days away. And and here's what I want you to understand. that, that, That meant he had 30 opportunities to get up and turn around and justify it and say, no, 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 I'm not gonna do it. You have 30 chances to say no. And there will be moments in your life where you can do that too, where you'll rationalize, You'll justify and you'll have reasons to turn around. What's the point? I mean, he's never gonna change. I mean, look, everybody else is doing it that way, right? Do you know what one of the biggest challenges we face? Here's one of the biggest challenges we face and why many of us don't see God working in our lives more. You know what it is? It's not the willingness to say yes. I think most of us have a willingness to say yes. The biggest problem is that most of us are unwilling to follow through everybody. That we're unwilling to, when the first barrier comes, we're like, that's obedience is following through even when the barriers come, even when we don't feel like it. For most of us who are experiencing God and we're living out this faith, we're seeing God show up, we're seeing God do things. We're like, man, there's God. He's doing amazing things. He's working in my life. He's working in my marriage. He's working with me. Man, it's amazing to see. Here's the thing, for those of us who are in that, we don't, we don't actually need to see first and then act. See, what we do is we act first. We, we act in faith. We're like, I'm gonna do what I know you want me to do, God, and then I know that I'm gonna see the results of that, and, and, and then we'll see. That's the difference, okay? In other words, uh, here's what I wanna say. If you're in a place, if you're in a place uh, in your life where you say, man, I'm not real sure I wanna do God's will. I, I wanna see it. <laughs> like, I wanna see it. I'm not sure I wanna do it. I kinda wanna see it, God. Uh, God, who made you and who loves you, is saying that that's, that's not how it works. Like, that's not how it works. Look, if you just trust me, because you're not, that's not trusting me. If you trust me, if you, if you just follow me with all your heart, I will make your path plain. I will make it so clear. You won't even miss my will. Trust me, if, if, you, just, if you do what I have for you uh, to do. So ob- obedience matters, if you wanna write something down. Obedience matters most on our way, right? Obedience matters most on our way. Gang, it's easy to say you're a Christian, there are a lot of, in here and a lot out there, like it's easy just to say you're a Christian, but the question is, are you doing what God asks you to do? Lip service is just, it just doesn't do anything good with us and God. Obedience looks like every day waking up and just saying, yes, yes, before I start, before I hear from you, God, my answer is yes. Now, what's your question? What do you want me to do? I'll do that. God, how do you want me to act? How do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this situation with this person? The answer is yes and no, God. No to the things that are obviously out of whack with you 
obviously out of whack with what you made me to be, regardless of how it feels, regardless of how I wanna feel, all those things, it's just yes to you. So, so we don't just say yes, listen, we live out our yes to God. That's what it looks like. Because there are gonna be moments, there are moments, in people who say yes all the time, there are moments where, where you wanna come home, check out, turn on the TV, and, and not be a contributor, but, but we say, no, 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 you realize, no, my yes is that I'm gonna contribute to this family. I'm not gonna just sit and, and check out, man. I'm gonna take the time to lead my family well tonight. I'm gonna lead my family with that time. There are gonna be times where you wanna act, uh, sort of react to your spouse a little differently than what God says, to be defensive and, and being sensitive and being unloving, because honestly, it's easier to do it that way. It really is. It's easier to do that when you're in the middle of, of, of confrontation or circumstances, uh, but you, so, you say, no, 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 I'm not gonna do that. Out of obedience to you, God, I'm gonna love my spouse like you told me to love. I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe the best about them first. I'm not gonna come into this all defensive. I'm gonna actually take the time, calm down, believe the best. That's what it looks like. There'll be moments where you wanna act out in lust, but you show restraint. There are moments uh, where you wanna pass judgment, but you remember God's grace in your own life and then you'll just hit pause a little bit on the judgment you wanna pass on somebody else. There are gonna be moments where, where being passive in your faith is easier, but then you say, no, 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 I'm gonna step forward in faith in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm gonna do this because I know that's what God wants me to do. That's what obedience does. That's what obedience does, is saying yes to God even when you don't feel like it. That's what it is, that's the second one. So Jonah gets to the city, Right, it says it's a huge city. That's what it says, three days to get all the way around. And he doesn't waste any time. It says the first day he gets in there, he says what God wants him to say, 40 days, you need to turn around, 40 days and, and this place is gonna be destroyed. God sees you, he's done with this behavior. Turn back to him, let's see what happens. We're gonna read a little bit here for the rest of this chapter. It says this, it says the people of Nineveh believed God's message. If you've been with us, that's a little shocking, okay? Believe God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and he took off his royal robes. And then what did he do? He dressed himself in burlap. He sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one. Not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. And what else? And everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways. This is the king of Nineveh. King of Nineveh. Turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. This is shocking. I'm just saying, like, if you've been here over the last two weeks and you've learned a little bit about Nineveh, this is not what you assume would happen, everybody, right? Am I right? Like, this is, like, crazy. This is amazing. Like, how they turn so quickly, uh, turning to God, it is really amazing with who they are. And so here's my question as I read that. What happened? <laughs> what, what made them, they were skinning people alive yesterday, okay? Like, what changed them? And here's the answer, we don't know. We really don't know. I've been reading and studying. Some historians uh, have tracked and traced down through history. Uh, there are a lot of actually crazy things going on at that time. There were like astrological phenomenons going on. There was a lot of warring going on uh, between the tribes, uh, not, not Israel and Nineveh, but other wars going on around them. Uh, and there were actually, they were marking that there were a couple plagues that were happening at that time. Uh, but there was also a guy who was swallowed by a fish and lived to tell about it, okay? Like th that's what they heard and they saw him. They, he had probably bleached hair from the, from the vomit, you know what I mean? And they're like, well, you know, and say prior, I do, we don't know, we don't know what changed them, but here's what we know. Here's what we do know. They clearly saw God. 
They clearly heard, there's no mistake about it. They clearly heard from the God of the universe and they repented, they turned back to God. And then the king, I love this about the king. The king hears about this and even he responds. It says, he stepped down from his throne to turn to God. Honestly, I think this is the more miraculous thing than the fish thing, everybody. I think that you think about this king who answered to no one, right? Who didn't have to answer to any, he bowed to no one. He gets off his throne throws off his robes and he surrenders to God. Are you kidding me? I wonder how many of us, I wonder how many of us are sitting, still sitting on our thrones because it's a comfortable place to be, right? I mean, it might not be like a, the throne of a king, but man, it's, it's where I get to call the shots. It's where I get to do what I wanna do. I don't really need to hear about what anybody else has to say when I'm sitting on my throne. But the king, man, I'm telling you, I don't know where we're at with our thrones in this life, who's on our throne, but with this king, man, he saw God and he knew what he needed to do, which is humble himself to God. And here's the third thing uh, that comebacks require. Comebacks require humility. They require humility. I thought about this with humility. I thought about the teaching of humility. I'm not real sure about this, but I'm pretty sure that the Bible primarily over any other teaching points to humility being the key to finding purpose and confidence in your life. I don't think there's anywhere else that you'll find this. I think that the Bible says humility is the way you go. So, so I wanted to define this real quick. What is humility? What is humility from the standpoint of God in the Bible? Pastor who I read, here's how he defines humility. And just listen to this. Here's humility. I don't have it up. I should have put it up. Humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. That you'll get there when you assess yourself. So, so there are two primary things that we're looking at. God's holiness, our sinfulness, okay? God's holiness. And so what he's saying is when, when we see how great God really is, then it will actually make us hyper aware of how short we fall. That, that we are hyper aware of, of how we fall short of being awesome ourselves. And, and that's what it is. And a lot of us actually, honestly, gang, a lot of us are still not, not there yet. We're not convinced of that. We still think we're pretty awesome. Like we think we're pretty awesome and we're not really seeing that that's what, we're not convinced that God's power is greater than us and that we don't, we don't really connect how far, how far, how much we fall short of him. But here's humility. And, and a lot of us think humility is, is showing weakness. That's the other reason why a lot of people don't like it is because it shows weakness. But here's the thing. Humility actually isn't a lack of confidence at all or weakness. It's actually, here's what humility is. Humility is placing confidence in the right thing. That's what humility is. I am placing my confidence, not in me, it's in the right thing, the thing that is stronger and better than me. And so, so the king and the people, that's what they realize. They recognize, man, we're not, oh man. Like again, God's like, I'm gonna show you how vulnerable, how weak you are. And they, they, they got it. And so they said, we're gonna turn to God. We're gonna just set aside our personal desires. We're gonna focus solely on God's glory. No longer our desires. Don't underestimate the power of someone who can do this. Don't underestimate the power of one life that's concerned with God's glory and done with your own. It can change the world. It can change the world. I think some of us need to think about where we are with this. I don't know, I know I want to. Like I thought about this a little bit as I read. I just, when I read this, I just got, there was something in me that just got stoked. I was just like, something got stoked. A fire in me got stoked. Cause listen to me, like I don't, I don't wanna live in a way where I'm just giving lip service to God. Like I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna waste my time with religion. I, I don't, listen to me, I don't want you to waste your time either. Like I really don't, like I don't want you to do that. Because gang, listen, if we're, if we're saying that, that we are Christians, if we're saying that, that we believe in Jesus, but we're not really confidently going after him, we're not really living out this sort of yes to God, then, then here's what's really happening. Really what God is becoming 
something, uh, is this sort of hobby uh, in our lives. And let me tell you something, if that's where you are, if you're not really living this out for God and believing who he really is, then that is the lamest hobby that you could ever have in the entire world. I'm telling you right now, this has gotta be boring for you. This has gotta be incredibly boring for you. Coming to church and just playing church, that, that's the most boring thing I could think. It's gotta be, isn't it boring? Man, get a, boats are fun. Get a boat, okay? That's a better hobby. But listen, listen to me, listen. I just thought about this in my own life. I just wanna get fired up for my life and God in my life. I don't wanna be messing around with me and my life. If you say you're a Christian, but you're not putting any time or effort or energy into it. Like you're putting more, you can see putting more time and energy into coaching a team or uh, doing this or doing that or whatever it is. And if, you, if you're putting more time than you have outside of here or just a couple times a week, the enemy's doing some work with you, everybody. He's doing some work in your life. And what he's doing is he's turning God into a really boring, lame hobby. And that is not who God is. He is not lame, he is not boring, he is a God of creation, he's worth every bit of time and energy and effort that we have. And I, here's the thing, for me, this is what I'm talking about me, I wanna be challenged by this. Like I wanna be challenged by this, and it starts with me and it kinda trickles out to you. So I, I, I'm telling you, I mean, it just got me thinking, I started reading through this, and it got me going, it just does something in me, it fires me up, it, it gets a fire stoked in me, and I just, I mean, I started thinking, man, like, what would happen? Like I think about all the junk in this world, and I think, man, what would happen? How would this uh, uh, community change? How would this uh, country and this world change if people who call themselves Christians like heard this message and just like uh, cry out to God the way that the Ninevites said, just cry out to him and believe and really live like Jesus is who he says he is, that God is the God of creation, that he is the God of miracles, that he is the God that we should fear and, and follow. Because gang, listen to me, like really, like um, here's where like, either this is all, true uh, or this is a joke. There's no in between. There's no in between. It's either all real or it's just a joke. And so then if you're saying you're a Christian, here's my question, man. Do you just see him for who he is? Do you really see him for who he is? Do you know that Jesus said, take up your cross, follow me. I am the Lord of all creation. Get up, get moving, man. I could change the world. I changed you. I am the Lord. I am the Messiah. I will transform lives. There is going to be a day where every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that I am Lord. It's going to happen. But in the meantime, get going, get moving. Let's go. Take up your cross. Follow me. I want to, so for me, it just drove me. I want to pray for a revival in me. Like just in me, I thought about it. I'm like, man, I want a revival in my life. I want a revival every day. Like I, I just see the revival. Like I feel like we think revival is like this one big thing that, I, man, I want a revival in my spirit every single day with this. And that's my prayer for you. I want a revival in this church every day that we see God for who he really is, that we see Jesus for what he is and, and, and what he said about himself. And, and I wanna see in our church like us living out for God, living this yes out for God in a way where we know who he says we, he is, who we, he says he is. And, and, and because of him, not because of me, I'm small potatoes, man. It just got me fired up. I wanna get you fired up, man. That's who God is. He's not a hobby. He's not a religion. He is the God of all creation. Jesus is the Messiah. It's, it's just worth our time and effort, everybody. Right? Amen. Like, he is worth it. I'm just telling you. I'll say amen to that. All right, next verse says this. I just, I don't know, man. Like this city, they didn't even believe and now they're like, just see what they did. Go back and read it. How many Christians don't do that? I'm telling you, it just fired me up about my own life. All right, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. And so here it is. God sends Jonah, right? 
sees what's going on. He says, man, go give him my message. And what Jonah sees is one of the greatest pictures of surrender and revival in the history of mankind. And he thought, man, and, and think about this. God gave an unwilling prophet, an unwilling servant, uh, a second chance. And then he saw a city who did not follow him. He, he said, you're not following me at all. An entire city. And he rescued them. He gave compassion and mercy and forgiveness to people who didn't deserve it. They knew that they deserved death. They even said, who knows, man, maybe God will deliver us. We deserve what we got coming to us and God rescued them. And it was awesome because they humbled themselves to God in his glory and God rescues them. And this is right here, everybody, is where it should say the end. Eh, not so fast. Like, there's another chapter. All right, there's another chapter. Uh, we're, not, we're gonna take a peek here in a second because you think that Jonah at this point uh, would have to have been thinking, man, this is great. Like this is amazing. Are you kidding me? But to Jonah, yeah, that doesn't sound too good. Uh, it sounds like something, there's a little twist coming. I feel like there's a twist coming. There's a, it is, there's a twist because here's, here's what we're gonna see. We've got another chapter left because even though what we've seen with God and his love and his mercy and his great compassion, we have not seen the extent of it yet. That's next week. We're gonna see the true extent of it. It's gonna be amazing. Come back next week to hear about it. Let's pray. Just give you a minute just to, again, just take it in and I don't know, just maybe ask God, like God speak to me today, maybe. What are you saying to me as a result of this? <clears throat> I feel like as we're thinking and hopefully responding to God, I feel the need to just pray a revival right now for some of your hearts and souls. I feel like God is calling out to you to say, man, am I the Lord of your life? Am I Lord of everything that I made in your life? Do you see me for who I am? And, and I think he's calling for a great revival in your life that he is worth pursuing. He's worth getting fired up for. He is, he is everything. There, so I wanna pray over you. I just feel the need to pray over you, God. I, I pray that we can seek you out like that, that we don't just sit passively, that we, that we actually see that you're worth going after, that, that there is a fire that you put in, a, in, a, in a, all of us, those of us who call you uh, our Lord and Savior, that when we accepted and believed in Jesus Christ, that there was a fire that comes in us. And I pray that that is stoked, that you fan that flame in us right now, that, that we see that this is a God, that you are a God worth pursuing. You're a God worth going after. You're a God worth our lives in. And that, that we just wanna see revival in our lives lives. We'll see a revival in our families and our marriages with our kids and everything we do at work and, and being a good boss and, and, and all of these things that we want to do. I, want, I just pray for a revival right now that, that help us see our lives as a yes to you in all the things that we do. Every single thing that we do, we want to live as a yes to you because you are the God of all creation. There is only one God and you're it and you've already showed it to us. I pray for a revival in this church. I pray for this community. I pray for this nation. I pray for this country. I I pray for this world. I think there are enough Christians around this world that can change it if we actually come to an understanding of who you are and what you call us to be. I pray that's what you're, I know that's what you're pointing us to. And I just pray that we, we get serious about this in an amazing way. And I think you will show up in our lives in a miraculous way. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for this mission that you put us on, that, that you created us for a purpose and, and, and a desire for us to flourish in your name, man. I just pray that we see that happening. I, I pray for a revival right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray.